Fresh Art International presents Fresh Talk, conversations about creativity in the 21st century. I'm Kathy Bird, Fresh Art producer. Today, I met Roman Mars at a South by Southwest interactive session in downtown Austin. Roman Mars is based in San Francisco. He produces 99% Invisible, a radio show and podcast series about architecture and design. He's famous. For passionate and mostly bootstrapped independent radio producers, Roman Mars is a model. Last year, the 99% Invisible Kickstarter campaign was the most successful journalism project ever funded. We recorded our conversation in the Interactive Presenters Lounge at South by Southwest. How did you get started in radio? In, in radio, it was a, a while ago at this point. I, I had um, I'd done a number of things in my life, uh, none of them pointing towards radio. I was just kind of a huge radio fan, and I had heard enough people um, on the radio, and I thought if I could do a new thing every day, if I could study a new thing, that would be the perfect life. And I knew that there was somebody. I, I loved Ray Suarez on Talk of the Nation, and uh, at the time he was the host of Talk of the Nation, and I knew that there was somebody who read the books and told him what to ask, although I'm sure he did a lot of it himself, but I knew that there was some role like that. I didn't know what that role was. I didn't know what it was called, a producer, but I, um, I went to try to figure that out. And so I tried internships and volunteering at stations until I finally got a job doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your background? Um, I, I went to graduate school to study plant population genetics. And so I did that. I've built prosthetic limbs. I've, uh, you know, worked in a warehouse. I've done any number of things that helped start a tech company. Um, but they all, it was me trying to figure out how to be excited by something new every day. And so radio ended up being that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What propelled you to the podcast platform? That, you know, kind of, I started with uh, 99% Invisible as a radio show. It was a module on KALW. Um, it ran for five minutes. I had it on a website and told my friends, oh, it, it's out here, well, you know, check it out. And they immediately said, well, where's the podcast of it? And I didn't have a great desire to do a podcast. I just wasn't, I, at the time, the, the series was funded for 13 episodes for me to pilot it out, so I wasn't sure it was going to be ongoing even. And then I, uh, so when I started the podcast, um, it, then it began to take, take it on its own life as a podcast. Mm-hmm. And so that's how it, all, how it all functioned. And why do you think podcasts are significant? I mean, it's a great way to learn the craft, to kind of have no real barrier to entry. Um, you can start it, you can do it cheaply. Um, and the way to make great, I still call it all radio. Like in my mm-hmm. head, I call it radio. The way to make great radio is to make radio, make more radio, and that you have this amount of bad habits, bad, you know, taste, bad qualities in your work, and um, you can't think it out or wait it out. You have to work it out. You have to keep making things, and so podcasting gives you that platform to do it. It's like easier to get going. Uh, the hard part is that since it's all the deadlines are self-imposed, um, you have to make them. You have to make them feel strict. I mean, back when I was doing only radio, 
I think the first time I ever really finished a piece was when I had to put it on the air. And so you have to figure out when to stop. But I think it's a great place to work. And I think the connections I've found, like public radio has this great relationship with its audience. It's considered much more like intimate and close than typical other radio or other forms of media. And so public radio takes a great pride in that. I think podcasting is even more intimate, is even more connected to the audience. And and so if you're used to dealing in that space where the relationship feels very personal, then there's a great opportunity in podcasts to, to, to work and work on that stuff with and engage with the community. And, and hopefully they, they will support you financially in all other ways to make you have a successful show. I asked Roman about how he designs the 99% Invisible series. What's great about an ongoing series is like, you, I kind of course correct. So like if the series is getting too, you know, too many buildings in a row, I'll do like a little toothbrush or I'll do, and it allows you to have, you never want, I don't like want to plan it out too far in advance because I want to be able to kind of steer the ship as we go. Make discoveries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what so, about the length minutes per podcast? It's totally variable. It's it really seems. variable. I, I just, I, as someone who had to constantly either um, cut to fit or fill to make time on a radio show to fit an hour, to fit that format, I was just like, I'm liberated from that. So I never spend time cutting things down anymore. I, I make it so it's tight enough to be good and doesn't overstay its welcome. But, um, but it's about it being a series of irregularly length things, and I think that format is fantastic. I love it. I share that format. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what podcast do you listen to yourself? I know you said in the talk yeah. that it's really important people look to see what you're listening to. So I'm curious. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I listen to a lot of public radio things. Um, so like on the media or Radio Lab and This American Life. Um, I have sort of native podcasts, podcasts. Uh, How to Do Everything is is friends of mine who work on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Um, the Truth by Jonathan Mitchell is sort of like updated radio drama, which is really brilliant. Uh, this one called Love and Radio by Nick Vanderkolk is also just really intense stories, kind of in the, just in this sort of, I think he's pretty well inspired by Joe Frank, this really intense, deep stories are impeccably sound designed uh, uh, I like the movie review podcast from BBC Five Live you know I, I just I run the gamut and I have to listen to a lot of stuff from my job but um, I still listen to hours and hours more of that a day than I am required to it's just it's my favorite medium so tell me about why you chose the subject you chose why did you choose architecture and design I chose it, it was kind of by chance, actually. Uh, the uh, radio station I do a lot of work with, KLW in San Francisco, had a mutual friend in, uh, in the AIA, the American Institute of Architects, San Francisco. And they had sort of approached me, because a lot of my job as a consultant is I work on new radio shows and I get them launched. And I sound design and launch new radio shows. So they'd ask me, what, what, what do you think of what an architecture minute type little broadcast would be like? And I thought about it a lot, and we worked on it some. And uh, rather than hire someone to do it, I, was, I had a great interest in design and architecture, and I broadened the whole idea to all of design rather than just architecture. I, uh, 
I decided I wanted to do it instead of um, hiring someone else and sort of handing it off uh, to work on being a host again, to work on writing. I do a lot of sound design, so writing was fun. And so I just thought it was, and I, I surveyed the landscape and I just saw there was nothing really doing what I was doing, what I wanted to do. And so I just f- tried to fill the niche. I wondered when Roman knew he was onto something. With the show, I, I mean, I kind of felt it right away. I felt it before when the name 99% Visible came up is when I felt like I know how to, I know how to do that show. It wasn't like I didn't know how to do the architecture show necessarily. I knew how to do a show about the, the things, all the thought that goes into things that people don't think about. I knew how to do that show. And then I surveyed things and I just kind of felt like I, I just kind of knew it would be good. I don't know. And that, that doesn't happen to me very often. And so I, I didn't take other jobs at the time to build up the show, um, thinking that as in, like, in sort of the entrepreneurial sort of journalism world, I wanted to see, I wanted to make a go of it, trying to make money at it. I just, for some reason, it all aligned because I'd worked on every type of public radio show in existence, this seemed like something that other people weren't doing exactly the way I wanted to do it. So to me, it it was kind of immediate, actually. It was weird. It was unusual for me to have that feeling. And how did his funding come together? A design company right away sponsored it, called Lunar, who did the first set. And then they, they signed on for a second. And it didn't cover all of the material. It didn't cover all the costs. But I did it at nights and weekends, and I just tried to make it work. Uh, and I found little underwriting here and there. And then I would just, you know, like as the audience was building, I went to people on Twitter and I said, do you have a company? Can you help? Whatever. And, the, and then Facebook got in touch and they sponsored the show. So Facebook and MailChimp started doing it. And then I did the, but it wasn't going to be enough to make it work. And then I did the Kickstarter. And uh, from there, because the Kickstarter was such a success, um, more advertising flowed from that. Has 99% Invisible made a difference in how Rowan Mars sees the world? It's changed me a ton. I'm much more, well, A, I'm much more critical and because of the way designers see the world. I, I now notice all the failures a lot more. But more than that, I notice the stories and the successes and the way that really real geniuses have solved problems. So, like, I don't consider myself an extremely optimistic person, like, naturally. I'm not naturally wired that way. But covering the show the way that I have, I see sort of genius in things way more often. And so, so recognizing that there's little stories in every little thing um, has made it, like, much more interesting life. I, and I get that response from other people, so I know it's, it's, it's working. Like It's made them recognize the world, and it's sort of how clever and how fun it is to recognize these stories. And even just like, even when intention and, uh, and the application of a design completely breaks down, it's just, it's a fun story to tell. So yeah, it's totally, it's totally changed my way I view the world. Here's Roman introducing 99% Invisible, episode 43, the accidental music of imperfect escalators. Ever since the Industrial Revolution, when it became possible for products to be designed just once and then mass-produced, it has been the slight 
failures and imperfections and the individual wear and tear introduced by human use that transforms a quality mass-produced product into a thing we actually love. Your worn-in blue jeans, your grandmother's iron skillet, the initial design determined its quality, but it's their post-manufacturing imperfections that make them comfortable, that make them lovable, that make them yours. If you think a slightly broken escalator can't be lovable, well, maybe you haven't been paying attention. I'm Kathy Bird. You just heard Fresh Talk with Roman Mars at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. Fresh Talk is downloadable on iTunes. You can find us on Facebook, and I tweet every day at FreshArtINTL. Find out more about us on FreshArtInternational.com. Thanks for listening.